You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, the editor of Women in Optometry, and we're delighted to have you here. Today's guest is Dr. Lori Sorensen from Lakeline Vision Source in Austin, Texas. Austin is one of those cool cities with a fabulous music scene, the home of Stevie Ray Vaughan, and 1.5 million bats. Dr. Sorensen, tell us about the bats. <laughs> it's definitely a, a tourist attraction. Um, they hang out underneath the Congress Bridge, and right at dusk, they all come out and fly off in formation, and it's a super cool thing to see. And does that happen daily? Uh, I think there's certain times a year that it happens. Um, I I always go online to see if it's if it's happening that time of year when somebody comes to visit, um, but it's not year round. Now, when you have something that unique, when you have a town that has its definite uh, attractions um, groove, how do you bring that into your office culture? I feel like you've done that. Yeah, it's kind of funny you talk about the bats. So we have four history rooms where we take history and do some of the, get some of the preliminary data from the patient before we do the testing, the diagnostic preliminary testing. And uh, one of the rooms is decorated. We call it the bat cave. We actually have some uh, metal sculptures hanging from the walls that are bats. And then on the other wall, we have a mural of downtown uh, Austin where the bats actually hang out. So we, we, actually have a bat cave in one of our history rooms. The other history rooms, one is uh, decorated, um, it's called the Capitol Room. So it has pictures of the Capitol. It has every ornament that the Capitol has given out for Christmas um, over the last 16 years hanging from uh, from the wall. We also have a room that's called the Lake Room because we have Lake Travis here too. So we have pictures of the lake a map of Lake Travis from 1985. And then the other one's the music room, which has a picture of Stevie Ray Vaughan and Willie Nelson on the walls in there too, along with the guitar that's lit up. That's that's great. And do people recognize that Im- immediately? I mean, does that give a sense of being a, a hometown practice? I would assume so. We also have, right when you first walk into the office, on the left side is this huge mural that has um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and the background of uh, the Austin skyline that's over an entire enormous wall on the left side that's in the optical, kind of in the reception area. And that's on purpose. This is not your first office in, in Austin, right? You've built and rebuilt. Talk to us a little bit about that and how you create a continuity of feel when you move into a new space. So I started the uh, other office. I leased space out of that, and I had remodeled there five different times. And we did a little bit of that, but honestly, it didn't have nearly as much of the whole Austin vibe. It was a smaller space. Um, I really didn't have that thought process when I first started because I didn't really know what I was doing when I first started my practice. Uh, for a long time, I wanted to build my own building. And so when we did that, I um, started really thinking about what I really wanted. And I really wanted the Austin vibe. And, and as you know, my husband is a uh, artist, but he also has a degree in architecture. And he had really strong ideas about how we could bring the Austin vibe and the cool Austin thing inside our office, but still stay clean and have a real kind of spa-like feel, but also a lot of fun with kind of the Austin stuff with the bats and the music and that kind of a thing. And in the design, you added some elements for convenience. I believe you added a drive-through door. 
Yes, we did. We have a drive-thru and it's a door instead of a window. I actually stole that idea from Dr. Sarah Yoli out in Hutto, Texas. I went to her practice and I think theirs was kind of an accident. They had to do door instead of a window. And I loved the concept because I thought it was a lot more personal to be able to walk out to the, the car. You could even go out there and and adjust somebody's frame if they had, you know, were in a wheelchair or had some problems getting out and about. We could actually do things out of the car. And it's a big old drive-through door. We love it. We probably, it gets used about 20 plus times a day already. When we first started, it was only about five or six times a day, but it's mostly for picking up contacts, but occasionally it's for picking up frames and adjusting. I can imagine that's a huge help, you know, to a busy parent who's, who's, packed all the kids in the car and is on the way to soccer practice or on the way back from soccer practice and really doesn't want to have to, you know, unload everyone to, to go pick up a bag of uh, contact lenses or, or other supplies or even even eyeglasses. Yes, that's that is definitely one of the people who uses it a lot. I asked my staff, what's funny is it's actually more the kind of millennial population that uses it the most. I think they're just used to that kind of thought process, drive through, pick stuff up and move on. Um, so they were the ones to embrace it first, but definitely the moms with the kids go by. I see that quite often. And then we do have some of the elderly that have problems with bringing their spouse in because they're either in wheelchairs or have trouble getting out or, you know, that, that type of thing. What else goes into creating a, an office culture? You mentioned your staff a few times. You involve them heavily in in these discussions and ideas, don't you? I do. Before we uh, sat down and designed the building, I actually did kind of a wish list. I asked every person to sit down and say, if, in the new building, if you could have anything you wanted, even if it's not even reasonable or practical. I want you to write it down for me. I want you to tell me what you're thinking. So we just took that whole list and plus everything we wrote down and started working at, with it from that with that always in the back of our mind. And uh, so that's kind of how we started. And one of the things my husband taught me, and I think is because of his architectural background, that anytime you're designing something, you should have a word that you're thinking of that everything needs to be filtered through. And in this building, the word we used was breathe. And the one reason we did that is because the other office got so crowded because we just kept building on and we, we expanded five times in the same space. The hallways really weren't wide enough. The front desk area really wasn't wide enough. The space where the front desk people worked really was and just, I felt like when I was in there, I couldn't breathe. And so we came up with the word breathe. So everything we did in the office with the colors, um, we really designed stuff kind of after a spa because when you're in a spa, you think, uh, oh, I can breathe. You can relax and breathe. And that's kind of the word we used when we were um, designing everything. Even though we still kept that whole fun culture idea of Austin, the the space and the design itself and is more about so the so I can breathe. see how breathe fits in, in in sort of the way that you, you feel about it. But how do you um, extend that to patients? Do you feel like patients can breathe better in, in this space? Absolutely. So when you think of breathe, one of the things we thought of was spas. So we started looking at spas and um, you probably don't realize this, but now that I've said it, next time you go into a spa, you might notice this. The, the majority of spas colors are neutral with just a little spot of color, but they use a lot of texture when they're designing their spas. So there's a lot of wood, there's metal, there's rocks, there's water, 
Um, there's a lot of texture involved. And so we did the same thing here. Our entryway has, has a rock entry. We have metal desks. We have a lot of wooden walls and wooden structures um, that soft. It's usually light wood in, in most spas too. So it's a light wood, um, but we have light wooden walls in all our history rooms. Um, and, um, and then of course we have aquariums. Uh, so there's a lot of texture in in the office that that we added on, and it gives you this real spa feel. The other thing is open ceiling. Um, we try to get rid of as many doors and walls as possible. Now, speaking of doors, I believe that you told me once that you added some barn style doors. Absolutely. So we our eight of our ten exam rooms have barn doors, and um, I really like them a lot. They you, they take up less space. They actually add, add a design element where you don't even have to decorate down a hallway um, because the barn doors themselves look super cool. We did a glass inset in the barn door and my husband designed, it's got the number of the room and a little design on it um, in a film that you put on the glass. Um, and so they, you know what room number you're in, but it looks really cool too. But it also doesn't take up wall space inside the exam room or in the hallway, which uh, most of the time it goes inside. And the probably exam room. more so light. It gives us more space in the exam room also. It does give you more light. And so it, there's privacy because there's a film there, but the film itself has some clear spots in it. So you can still peek in. So you can see if the doctor's with a patient. How did you create the office culture that you wanted? And are you there or is it a work in progress constantly? I definitely think it's a work in progress constantly. I'd say we're I'm 95% where I want to be with the culture in the office. I think that to people bandy that word about a lot, culture, culture, how do you do that? And it really is a constant, constant um, communication and a work in progress. I think the first thing you have to do is decide what you want your culture to be. And with a mission statement, vision statement, I try to keep it our super simple. We try to be the best for Austin by wowing our patients and loving what we do. So wow is a big part of what we do. Um, loving what we do. So if you're in a job you don't like, I don't want you there. If you don't love working here, I don't want you here. And everybody knows that. We also talk about the culture of the office embracing respect and compassion for each other and for our patients. So anytime some type of issue comes off, up and it doesn't look respectful or compassionate, we just remind each other that that's who we are and where we're coming from. So if somebody's really struggling, we say, we're going to be compassionate towards this person because they're going through this problem and we're going to give them some time to work through it. But we also will set limits and, and get back to that person to make sure that that everything's going to work out okay. So we really embrace the respect and compassion towards patients and each other. In the morning at the end of my mini meeting that I do every morning before we start seeing patients, there's a really corny thing that I do right before we start seeing patients. And I say, let's go wow some patients and have some fun. What's what's the purpose of this morning meeting? Is it an enthusiasm builder? Is it business? It's a five to 10 minute meeting and it is to look at the schedule, see who all's here, who's all going to be late, who's got a doctor's appointment, who's leaving early. We look at the patient schedule, see what special testing's coming in, who's going to do it, if there's any issues with um, any type of scheduling process. And then we look at, we talk about the day before, how did everything go yesterday? And then we look at tomorrow, see how busy we're going to be. But those are just a few seconds on each end. It's mostly about looking at today. It makes a huge difference, even though all of our staff is not there yet. 
at least 50% of the staff is there at the 815 meeting before you open at 830. So half the people know what's going on. So if somebody says, oh, where's, you know, tech number two and tech number one was at the meeting says, oh, well, tech two is going to be here at 11 o'clock because she had a doctor's appointment. Has your mission statement changed? Are these also evolutionary kinds of things? So I first, my first mission statement was this nice long statement that my staff and I put together many, many years ago. I typed it up, put it up on the wall. If I asked any of my staff, what is it? Nobody would have known what it is. So I don't know how many years ago I decided this needs to be shorter and sweeter and more to the point and staff comes and goes. And this is really my mission statement of who I want my business to be. And then I need to sell it to my staff. So I sat down and decided what was important to me at the time. I wrote down to be the best in Austin um, by wowing our patients. That was the mission statement. Over time, we changed it from in Austin to for Austin, thanks to one of my consultants, Bethany Fishbein. Um, So it's to be the best for Austin. And then one day I was just sitting saying, I really feel like this doesn't tell our whole story. It's really, really important to me that my staff is happy, that they're in the right position, that they are that they feel good about where they work. We added that to our mission statement. So we even have t-shirts with the word wow written on it that we wear on Fridays. Sometimes I even wear it other days. Um, but they wear, it has a t-shirt that says wow on it. It has, the O has a little eyeballs in it. My, my husband designed it and it has Lakeline Vision Source on it too. And um, so we are constantly reminding the patient, it's on our website and everywhere else, that our goal is to wow the patient. Did anyone here wow you? Or did anyone or anything nice. wow you while That's you were nice. here? How, how important is it to be extraordinary like that, to, to not just serve patients adequately, but to, to, but to wow them? So customer satisfaction just isn't going to cut it. Because if somebody's just satisfied, they could easily be wooed into going somewhere else by a coupon or somebody else says, oh, I go to this doctor. I love them. We need patients to be super enthusiastic and super referrals, uh, referrers for our practice. Um, you know, there's only one way to compete now, and that is with superior customer service. There's no way we're going to survive just giving satisfactory experience to our patients. We have to have superior experience for our patients. How do you get enthusiasm for delivering superior service through to to everyone who, who works for you and with you? Meetings are a big part. I think in general business, most people complain that we have too many meetings and there's too many meetings here and there. But in optometry, in optometric practice, I would say one of the most common problems in in optometrist practices is they do not have enough meetings. They don't meet as a group. They don't meet in their departments. Um, they don't have enough communication in a meeting setting. And that is one place where you really can get across that, you know, we're here to wow our patients. And if we don't do this, we're we're out of business. We have we have to have a superior experience for our patients. And we talk about it. We have weekly office meetings with everybody there. We have department meetings every single week. We have administrator meetings. We actually have um, three mini ones every single week. And we have 40-something people, so we're going to have more than most people. But I really, truly believe if you're not having a meeting at least once a week with everyone, then you're not meeting often enough because you cannot get people to buy into your culture and your mission if you're not talking to them. How can you get them to understand what it is 
um, that you are about and what your business is about if you don't meet with them. If you're in the exam room all day long and you don't carve out any time every single week to discuss this with your employees, there's no way that they're going to have, you're going to have a good culture in your practice. That, I think, covers office culture and atmosphere pretty well, unless there's something I didn't ask. So the only other part I would say is, you know, part of our culture is loving what we do. So fun is a, is a big part of that. Um, because we have gotten so large now, one of the things that we do on our weekly meeting is we always do a team building exercise. And we used to do that um, even when we were smaller and it was a, it was a portion of our weekly meeting, but we have so many people now that doing a team building exercise takes up the majority of the time on our weekly meeting, which is why we started doing department meetings after that. Um, because I need to sit down and spend a little more business time. So our weekly meetings is really more about having fun. Last Thursday, we had a party at our office from six to eight, actually six to nine. We went an hour later, we did karaoke. And it was by far the best party we've ever done for the staff. We did invite patients too, but we didn't really push the idea of patients. I wanted my staff to come, bring their family, bring their friends, and have a good time. And so we had um, champagne, and we had beer, and we had wine, and um, tacos from Torchy's Tacos. And we did karaoke for three hours, and it was an absolute blast. So they each had to perform a song, each department did, which was great. It was a great way to break the ice, and it was really a lot of fun. That's great. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I can see where having fun is obviously part of your culture. Dr. Sorensen, thank you so much for joining us on WO Voices. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again next time on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a part of our podcast series, please contact us. You can email us at wovoicesonline at gmail.com or through our website, womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, and via Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. Thank you.